This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to another edition of That Millwall Podcast. Today we have the return, Series 2, the the next edition of Who Are You? The series went pretty well last year. Uh, We had a few guests come on and we've revived it. I'm joined tonight by our first guest of the new season, Mr Rob Woodford. Rob, how are you? All good, mate. Yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice to be able to come back on to... Mickey's show again. I was on a while before and plugged my tour and I should do so again before we finish. All right. That's absolutely fine. Plug away, mate. Plug away. Um, This is an opportunity for us to speak to to the Millwall fans far and wide, people that we may not necessarily get to engage with. Um, You would have seen the show last season. Obviously, we've brought it back this time and Rob is our first guest this year. So, Rob, without further ado, take us away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I live in Medway. And uh, I don't know whether you're aware that the ME8 postcode has got more Millwall supporters than Gillingham fans. So um, it's obviously a, a mass exodus from South East London <laughs> when the docks closed down. Um, but um, I, I grew up in South London and my first game at the Old Den was in 1964. And I, I can't remember it too well. I can remember sitting on my dad's shoulders on the halfway line looking at Millwall, uh, draw with Torquay United 2-2 in the fourth division. Now, there's one for you youngsters, the fourth division. They call it League Two now. Um, we, we played in that division for a, a couple of seasons. Um, but this game, uh, I, nobody knew it at the time. Uh, we, you know, we, we attended a game which was the very first of 59 home games without defeat because uh, we were successful in promotion in consecutive yeah. seasons. Uh, but if you know the history of Millwall Football Club, then you, then you know that one. Um, and and currently, mean, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder, uh, but yeah. uh, uh, work-wise, I'm a tour guide in London. Um, love it. And um, we'll come on to that later on. I'm sure I'm sure we will. And I mean, you, you said there, obviously, your first game was with, with your dad. I'm, I'm going to assume, was it always going to be Millwall uh, following in your dad's footsteps? Yeah, um, I was hooked, you know, because um, those days in the 1960s, uh, we had what was called the, the Raw. You know, uh, each of the terraces tried to outroar each other. You know, it's different docks, uh, workers from different docks tended to, to, to go on different terraces and... Um, yeah, the noise it created, it was incredible. It was not going to be any other team for me. And, I, and I, I do remember when I was at school, I went to school at Streatham, and a mate of mine, a Palace fan, uh, Alan, he said to me, you know, um, Rob, you, you always go to the Den, why don't you come to Sellers Park uh, uh, next weekend? Come and see some real football. I thought, oh, well, I'll do it, you know. Just to please him. And then I'll come out of the ground afterwards and I said to him, look, I'm sorry, uh, but the atmosphere here is like the waiting room of a doctor's surgery compared to what we have at the den. And, and Alan was crestfallen. Um, and look, I know they make a noise now, but they're in the prem, aren't they? They've been for a few years. But um, back then, there was no atmosphere. Um, and the other grounds I went to, Charlton was the same. 
And and you said just before there that your first game was at, against Torquay. I know you can't, can't quite remember it. What do you remember? What was your first sort of memories and impressions of, of the den and 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 the and that atmosphere? To be honest, the first memories with the blue and white kit, the, the striped kit, uh, which was revived, mm-hmm. wasn't it? You know, when we we got to the playoff final a few years ago, when Morrow yeah. scored the dying seconds. I mean, that was revived. Thicker stripes, but the the uh, the kit we wore then was was, was memorable. I, you're you're going to ask me, I'm sure, what what my favourite kit was. Um, that's up there. It wasn't my favourite, but it was, certainly was the first memory. And I mean, in terms of obviously the the old den, um, where was you based? Did you move around? Did you have a particular home or a spot, or, or was you one that travelled yeah. sort of around the ground? To... Yeah. Went to various places, including, and again, you've got to be of a certain age um, to remember what was there before the forecourt seats. The forecourt seats, I think they went in about late 60s. Um, it was just a slope um, and uh, was there for a while. Dog track end because there was no no segregation then. There was no away fans. But eventually, eventually settled on what was the corner in between the halfway line and the cold blow lane end. There was a, a section of the terrace which had a wall behind it. And I used to stand up there, sort of behind the floodlight pylon, if you like. And mm-hmm. the, the, eventually, towards the end, the last few days at the den, that became a family enclosure. Uh, but that was, that was a very good vantage point there. My, my favourite place in the ground, actually. And and in terms of the old ground, there's a lot of nostalgia when uh, you know supporters speak about what it, what the old den was like and and what it may have been like for visiting teams and and visiting supporters. What what are you what would you say is uh, your memories of the old ground? You know, was it was it that intimidating intimidating <clears throat> place that that most people say it, it was? It certainly was in the late sixties and early seventies. Um, when we were relegated, eventually uh, it, it wasn't didn't have quite the same um, atmosphere because we, the gates were were so low, you mm-hmm. know. And um, it, it was one season where the, the the gate for the FA Youth Cup final was was higher than the the previous day uh, mm-hmm. previous Saturday's attendance, which was something like four or five thousand. It was so low. But no, it was it was the sixties and seventies were for me they they were they were the best years, yeah. And and sort of bringing it forward to the current day, I, I don't always like referring to it as the new den. Now we've been there for for thirty years. It's 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 now just to me the den. What are your impressions? Do you like the ground? And you said you're a season ticket holder. Whereabouts do you sit? Uh, block four, okay. Uh, really good view. Um, some of my mates are in the, the, the CBL and um, I can see a much better game than them because they're sending half-time reports and they're watching a different game. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about where you sit and what you can see and if you can read the game, you know. And it was, it was going to the new den, the, the biggest shock, I suppose, for all of us was was going to the toilet. It was, you know, it's no longer the swimming and diving club like the other place was. And <laughs> there were some parts of the old den where you did ascensions in the way if you depending on where you stood but there was none of that at the new ground i think obviously from what i've heard from these doing these shows and talking to other supporters that i think the, the biggest thing is is that we we built the, or the ground was the new ground was built and i think it had a lot to do with we were one of the first great if not the first ground built after uh one of the disasters and the the fact that at the time it was so new and modern it, it was so different from where we'd come from before i would imagine there'd been people that have been going to the old day like yourself for 30 years then all of a sudden going into this shiny new shiny new arena it was a bit of a shock to the system uh, and the biggest regret, I suppose, is that if you go to where the old den was now, it's a it's a modern housing estate, and there's no no mm. reference. Um, no, um, none of the streets are named after uh, former people associated with the club. It's a bit of a shame, really, because you know we was there for a long time from 
1910 to 1993. That's 83 years of our history. Mm. And there's this, you can't go there. Even the, 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 the local authority plaque that was put up, I mean, that's been up a couple of times and it's been nicked. Um, you go to see, uh, you get walk down Colblow Lane and the, 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 the name of the road, uh, the sign has been nicked as well. So, um, but it would have been nice to have had some um, some recognition in in the names of the blocks uh, or the streets. But there's nothing. Mm. No, it's it's one of those like if you know and uh, you know people it's passed down generations that people as you walk past you know if you're walking around that that kind of area you'd say oh this is where the old ground was. So if you know you know, but yeah. if you didn't know, there's no you'd have say, to know no reference yeah. to it. You no. know you'd have to have somebody there to explain where it was and what it was like. Because you just walking down there, you'd have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Even one of the railway no. artists is gone. Moving away from the ground to more into individuals, um, been following the club a long time. You've probably seen some fantastic players play in a lion shirt. It's probably a hard question when there's so many to choose from. And I'll give you the opportunity to make perhaps name a, an honourable mention or two. But who's your favourite all-time player? Well, um, there's a few that come to mind. And, and most of my favourite players were from that period I was talking about, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, Keith Weller was one. Derek Posse was another. Obviously, Barry Kitchener. But for me, my favourite all-time player was Harry Cripps. And um, I, I, I've, I've had it... I have heard his name mentioned by younger people as Barry Cripps, but no, it was, it was Harry Cripps. <laughs> <laughs> and and for, for some of the listeners who perhaps, even myself as, as a host here, um, who perhaps never got to see um, the great man play, what was he like? Uh, he epitomised the spirit of Millwall Football Club. You know, he, you asked me who my favourite player was, that is that right? He wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. our best player by a long, long way, mm-hmm. but but Harry epitomised Millwall Football Club. It's never say die attitude, and he always had that bit of a. It was all a bit of fun with Harry, you know. He'd pinch a few yards for a free kick where the referee wasn't watching, you know, and sometimes he'd go up to the referee and try to referee the game for him, you know. He's, he's a little bit of a comedian, and um, I, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, Sitting in the forecourt seats, um, Stephen, you might have to edit this bit, but uh, I'm going to go for it. All right, yeah, you know, we're playing a team called Birmingham City at the time, and one of their midfield players was a guy called Trevor Hockey. Everybody knew Trevor Hockey because he had this beard, right? He's a good player. So, Harry was going in for a tackle down on the uh, touchline by the forecourt seats, and somehow Harry. Bundled him into the forecourt seats. He had this way of bundling players. and um, But what a gentleman he was. He, he was very apologetic to Trevor Rocky. He stepped over the forecourt seat wall. He put one hand on his beard, the other on his bollocks, and just threw him straight back onto the park. <laughs> Gentlemanly thing to do, yeah. Absolutely. You don't forget again, things like you... that. <laughs> No, you don't. There, there's, there's certain memories and things like that that, that will that you stick with you, stick with you kind of forever. I'm going to go a little bit rogue though, because you said there that I asked you your favourite player, which I did, yeah. and you mentioned that I never asked who our best player was. So I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot now, and in your opinion, who's the best player you've ever seen in a Mill shirt? Yeah, well, I'm old enough to remember Keith Weller. Uh, he was uh, head and shoulders above the rest. You know, mm. R.I.P. Um, for me, he, he was outstanding. He, he was a midfield general. Uh, he could also score goals. Now, you know, if you look back over those 50-plus years, uh, we don't have too many midfield players that can contribute to the score sheet as well, you know. They're, they're, mm. they're a rarity, you know. You, younger uh, fans can remember people like Alex Ray, uh, going back a little bit mm-hmm. before him. Uh, Nicky Chatterton got a lot of goals for a midfield, but a lot of them were penalties. Um, you get a midfield goal scorer, Tim Cahill, another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're half a team on their own if you could do that, but it's fine in the minute. You know, at mm-hmm. the level we are now, um, 
is finding them at the right price, try to uh, get a rough diamond and polish him up. It's not easy. Not, not on our and budget. Also, also, the ability to be able to keep them as well, because once you reach a certain level, you know, of goals and assists or, or the statistics that the bigger Premier League clubs look for, it's very difficult for, for clubs oh, for like sure. us to hold you on know, to those type of players. No, no, no. One of my favourite players in recent years was Jimmy Abdu. Now, what an engine. But mm. if he could pass the ball, he wouldn't have been with us for long because he would have been no. snapped up. You know? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of those, isn't it, where we... It's a bit harsh sometimes to say, but sometimes the players we get, you can on their day they're absolutely world class, but there's a reason why they don't or they're not perhaps playing at the next level. Um, whether it be a technical thing, whether it be consistency, injury record, yep. there's always something that perhaps pre- prevents them. But um, years gone by, obviously we've had players over the years that that perhaps were. were at the time of the standard that that really did take us to to, to different levels, um, so don't get me started on Zian Fleming, will you? Because we should have taken the money, all right? And 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 Casper and Nora, very much in agreement. A, a, a fantastic find, whoever went and found him. But other teams are working out how to play him now, so it's not easy, is it? On that, I'm again. I'm going to change the order of what we how we run here. We're keeping with players in the current squad. You've touched on two players there. I think Casper Denore is absolutely outstanding. Um, who would you say is your probably your favourite? Who's your fan favourite at the moment in the current bunch? Well, if only you could get a game, a remain essay, because um, he's the future. You know, um, he. The ability he's got for a young player, it reminds me, you've got to go all the way back to Gordon Hill. Very very sort of similar. We, we had a, a real star. Obviously, we didn't hang on to Gordon Hill. Um, you know, the, the time had to come. But having spoken to Romain at the uh, awards dinner at the end of last season, uh, I've, got a, I've got a feeling he's going to stay with us for a long time. That's my gut feeling. Just, just Funny get him enough, in the team. Not, <laughs> on on remain. I actually I played in one of the charity games um, over the summer, and uh, the guy who was organising it kind of said, "Oh, we've got a special guest to come in and say hello to you." Think, oh, yeah, all right. And it, it was it was remain himself. He happened to be at the ground and come in and, and, and met us all. And and someone he just a breath of fresh air. Someone that young that just he loves it. He loves the, his football. He's enjoying his time at, at Millwall. You know, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where he's going to end up, but I certainly agree. I think he's, he is the future and, and someone who's, who's got sure. he's a good lad and well-grounded. I mean, obviously, hmm. you know, money changes everything and agents change everything, mm-hmm. but um, let's, uh, let's get three or four years out of him first. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, in terms of coming away from the playing staff, we'll go to, to managers. Um, have a feeling I know your answer to this question, but I will, I'm will. i not going to say anything. I'm going to let you speak. Who's your favourite manager of all time? Uh, it, look, it, you can't go any further than Benny Fenton. Is that the one you were going to think about? It was one of two. Believe it or not, it was so, one of two. So the other one would have been Kenny Jacket, right? It wasn't. No, it's no, interesting. No. So I I, 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 kind of look at longevity mm-hmm. in the league. I mean, you know, Benny Fenton kept us in the second tier of English football for nine seasons. That nobody's done that before. Mm. No. But we've had we've had three seasons, five seasons, six seasons. I mean, nor we would normally have gone back by now. You know, we've gone mm. through the cycle. We should have been relegated under normal conditions already. But um, but we haven't had one manager in that time. We've had three managers and one caretaker manager in the last seven seasons. But Benny Fenton, he kept us there for nine seasons. I mean, you know, we, we take that now from one manager, won't we? Absolutely, and I think it's it's. It's very much underplayed and undervalued. Uh, again, Rowett, to a certain extent, keeping a club like ours at a certain level where you, let's face it, we do pre- predominantly punch above our weight in the second tier of, Eng- of English yep. football. So 
nine years is a is a phenomenal achievement as you said you know usually in the cycle we would have gone gone back down by now so i think there's a lot modern football is all about success and all about winning and you want people want success like that they don't want to wait for it they want they want to be challenging they want to be winning titles when you know that you're a club that perhaps can't compete financially or or have the bigger grounds like some of the you know take Leicester and Leeds for example at the moment in the championship you just have to um you just sometimes have to take credit off to say look the people do fantastic job when when they do it over a long period of time yeah the, the only difference between the late 60s and early 70s and now is it's a much uneven playing field now where teams that are relegated from the Premier forever rewarded for failure with shit loads of money you know and that's not fair is mm. it really not clubs like us and Rotherham United and the rest of us that are down there struggling it's it's like mm-hmm. um uh you know it, it, we can't go and you know look at the summer all right social media is full of you know oh we've got this bit now we're going to tear up the league we'll be in the top six Oh, come on, it don't work like that. You've got to look around and see the money that other teams are spending, you know. Mm. 1.52 million doesn't buy you much in the championship now, does it? Not really. No, it doesn't. I must admit, I I actually thought we'd probably see a little bit more out and there's been a bit better. We'd have a little bit of a better return um, than perhaps what we've got. But it, that's right. You look at some of the money that's spent um, and some of the players that are playing in the championship at the most of Leicester's team would probably get a game um, right. in the Premier League. Leeds' right. front four probably would all walk into a Premier League side um, as well. But that that's the thing, isn't it, with football? That And that's what makes, I think, Millwall as a club um, so special because we do constantly, and I know, I know I, I've always said this, I don't, I, I I used to get frustrated when Neil Harris used to say, you know, we, we're the underdogs, we're the underdogs. <laughs> and that was his mantra. And that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. But we've shown that perhaps we are a little bit better than that, but we also do have to realise that there does come a point where we have to accept that sometimes a little bit of hard work might have to go in rather than the talented players of yeah. the squads. Yeah. No, you, you've got to be consistently good at this level mm-hmm. to get a top half mm-hmm. finish, which I think we've done for the last four seasons, haven't we? Absolutely. And and that's where Gary Rowe, I think, may not go down as the uh, most popular manager, but he will certainly go down as someone in many people's book as, as a manager that, that managed to bring stability and um, some uh, hope. Yeah, I mean, so, did, did you not think there might have been some message coming right from the top? I don't care how we play, just, just keep us in this league. You know, there might be a bit of that to it as well. Mm-hmm. Because to go down again, you look at the teams that are in the third tier now and struggling to get back. Mm-hmm. You know, well, uh, Charlton will be a in the park. No, we'll look at Charlton. Yeah, nope. We laugh mm-hmm. at Charlton. Don't They've we? been down there for no. a long time, and, and it's not fair them being down there, is it? Because it, it costs us six points every season. <laughs> it's like having a six point <laughs> deduction, isn't it? You know. <laughs> um. Going away from best and favourites and 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 the, the, the top players, I'm going to combine this into two. Worst player you've seen in a Millwall shirt and worst player that you've seen play at the Den? Uh, the, the, the worst player is a goalkeeper. And um, I hope Kingy's listening to this. Because, don't worry, Kingy, it's not you. You were the best goalkeeper we ever had. There's uh, a guy called Pat Cuff who only played for Millwall maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 appearances. And he was from the northeast. Um, and most of the other teams he played for were all in the northeast. So obviously he didn't settle down here. And he, to be honest, uh, he's absolute shite. You know, you just didn't have any confidence. <laughs> You've got to have a confidence in a goalkeeper. And this guy used to come out mm. for crosses, flapping like a pair of underpants in the wind. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um Dropping balls all over the place. Um, George Petchy, not one of your best signings, um, <laughs> RIP. Um, but uh, no, he, he was the worst player I ever saw in a Millwall shirt. You didn't <laughs> and, see and that again, coming, again, did you? No, no, but it's interesting because different, so many people see things that 
in a different in a different way or use have different reasoning for the the work sometimes it's a striker that scored sort of one in 30 or whatever it's a goalkeeper or a defender that scored a couple of own goals it's interesting to hear that that what goes into the decisions of, of best and worst sometimes yeah. it's it's completely bonkers things that that people kind of come up with so um oh for sure and then players... when you see a player that that's consistently poor you kind of you don't get that out of your head and you think oh that's it i'm never gonna like this guy do you know Mm. Um, Robert Wilson was one uh, we signed him 70s I think 70s or early 80s he was another player good player for Fulham but didn't do much for us uh, <laughs> but no Pat Cuff he's the worst and coming away from now players back to the club club in general um, what would you say is your most memorable match involving Millwall uh, not at the old den, not at the new den. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anywhere? Anywhere, yeah, it can be any competition. It can be, it could be a friendly if it, if you if that's if that's no, what you think. No, 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 no. You know. <laughs> no, there'd be so many people that give the same answer, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go anywhere different. It was the semi final of the FA Cup at Old Trafford. It was, it was a magical day, you know. Mm. You just even thinking about it, you just it it's still fills me with disbelief that Tim Cale scored that goal and, and it yeah. was enough and it's just incredible. Sure, sure. And well, Dickio should have made it too, but you know, <laughs> uh, and think, think was the second half, I don't actually remember a lot about the second half. I spent so much time looking up at those digital clocks above where we were <laughs> sitting to see how much time we had to go. Because you know, being Millwall, you know, this ain't going to end well, you know. Uh, no, but that no, that was. It's just that was awesome. That 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 was a really special. That was more special in in many ways than the actual final. Well, I, I was going to say that that was our final. Yeah. I think the semi final was our final. We knew, look, provided unless there was going to be an almighty miracle of beating Manchester United or Arsenal. Our final was that was that. Oh day. yeah, you know it was that, yeah, day, no, that, was that day, and, and there was twelve of us that went up in a limo that day to Cardiff. It nice. felt so special. And then when we got to the street where the driver parked us up, we got out, and there was loads of limos. You know, we weren't just the special ones. <laughs> it was hilarious, really. Um, interestingly, uh, possibly the same answer for, for this one. But what would you say is your best or favourite Millwall moment? No, it's not a moment. It's a second. It's one second. It was when Paul Durkin blew that whistle in that same match. And I don't know whether... It was you there? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. yeah. Do you remember it was raining just before mm-hmm. the final whistle went? And when he blew the mm-hmm. whistle, the sun came out. That Yeah. It, it's just... Yeah. And that, that's to me, is, that, not a, a moment. It's that, that second when he blew the whistle because... Oh, He's taken an age to blow it, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because you, uh, similar to what you just said there, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Watford, and we'd scored quite late on, and I had my watch on. I'm looking at the clock, literally, and it, it moves a couple of seconds, and you're thinking, right, okay, we haven't got long to go, and you look again, and you look again, and you look again, and you just you can't help it at football when it, when it's so close. Yeah. If you're sort of three or four nil up, you, you don't really care because you know you're going to win the game anyway. But it just, yeah, that those seconds that you know, it just it, it, 
it's time had stopped. It had just stopped in there in that second half, and and that moment of, of just and the, the, I think it was the the sort of, oh my god, we've done it, feeling. Yeah, that that to me, I I, I won't ever forget that. The, 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 yeah, that, yeah. We, to get to an FA Cup final, it just unreal. It just it's not us, is it? You know, and then you know, if you come on my Millwall history and heritage tour in March, you um you get to find out how we nearly did it in the year 1900, 1903, and nineteen thirty seven. is an interesting topic of conversation because, and I'm going to let you take away at this point i believe uh the podcast boys are we're looking at sorting out doing a tour with yourself i believe mickey has been has been talking to you about it um i think most of the group if not all of the group has replied to say that they would be interested in 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 coming along but if you would you like to sort of interject at this point and, and tell the fans a little bit more about it yeah, first of all, I don't think Mickey wants to come out in the cold, right? So it won't be till uh, it gets a little bit warmer. Um, so he what did say is... that, but I, I didn't. I didn't want to throw him under the bus. You have, not me. So yeah. <laughs> um, it, it happens uh, most international breaks. We have a, mm-hmm. a, I think we've done seven or eight now. Uh, most of them have sold out. Some have been close to sell out. Um, we. We start off at uh, West India Dock, um, where much of the Millwall fan base uh, would have been working in the 1880s. And we take a, mm-hmm. a walk back through time. So we go to the site of the old Morton's Cannon factory. We go to all <clears throat> the previous four football grounds. Change the route a little bit, because when we used to stop halfway in the George Pub, which was a former headquarters of Millwall Athletic, as we were known then. Uh, this was a half-time um, in the pub. And just because it was half-time, they weren't in the pub sucking oranges. They was down in pints, and you couldn't get them out for the second half of the walk. So we changed it now, um, and we finish at the George. It's much better that way. We get the walking done, and then there's mm-hmm. a, a chance to uh, have some refreshment. We've had a few... Um, shall we say, celebrities on previous tours. And Mickey has been one of them. Um, uh, legendary goalkeeper Brian King came on a, another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, former chairman Jeff Burnage. Uh, he came on the very first one. Um, and it, it, it's being a tour guide is something that sits well with me because... You know, my favourite subject of all is Millwall Football Club, so why not put a tour together? It's it's about the first 25 years of our club. And the next one is on the 23rd of March. And people, uh, if they want to get get on for that one, uh, just type in a a search engine, Eventbrite Millwall History, and it will bring up the the relevant page. Um, Mm -hmm. And... um, it's good fun. We have a laugh. It's it's uh, it's not all about fact, fact, fact. We, it's fun and entertaining as well. So, uh, uh, and and you know, what else do you want to do at a weekend if Millwall are not playing? You want to go shopping? You want to get the DIY? No, <laughs> come on a Millwall history and heritage tour. Job done. Absolutely, and obviously, uh, when this goes out. We'll we'll put the link to to that. Oh, put it put, put it out and... before the twenty third of March, Stephen. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> it it will be out before then. I guarantee it'll be out before then. But in the meantime, we'll we'll get that posted out as well, guys. Obviously, if you're interested in in your history and, and would like to know a little bit more about um, the early days of, of Millwall Football Club and, and where our roots are, then obviously Rob Robson Man and and um, I say us podcast boys, we will be joining Rob. Um, You've done it, so I'm going to say it. Mickey didn't really want to go out in the cold, so we're going to wait till it's a little bit warmer, I think. But all of us are, are really looking forward to it. Again, we're we're so far away from 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 the, the beginnings of Millwall, so it, yeah. it, it's it sounds fascinating to be able to go back and and see where we're from. And you know, talking just now from. about sorry, talking just now about the the semi-finals. To mm-hmm. think we got to a semi-final. Just 15 years. We got to an FA Cup, 
semi-final just 15 years after first starting out. That's an incredible rise um, mm. in short space of time. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, also, Absolutely. Uh, people can also find us on, on Facebook. There is a Millwall History and Heritage mm-hmm. uh, site. There's also uh, Out of the Blue online fanzine. Some some people will remember the Out of the Blue fanzine, which was kind of a a junior rival to the Lion Roars, and um, mm. uh, no one likes us, but uh, uh, it's now online and it's in the Facebook group. Absolutely. Again, all the links will be in the descriptions for those guys. That I know there's. It's interesting. We have a lot of. Um, with a lot of listeners from different ages sort of from you know right down from sort of the youth of today if you will right up yeah. to to you know the older supporters and i'm sure there's lots that would love to look back at memories and perhaps speak to like-minded supporters that remember things that others perhaps don't so all of that stuff will go in the description again um we're more than happy to share that that all those kind of pages and the event Thank pages you. and um hopefully <coughs> you know keep people talking and get more people. As I say, the more, the more people that are interested in, then you'll have to do more tours, but I'm sure you won't mind. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Keep, keep putting those, keep putting those out. Um, I'm going to carry on uh, with a couple of, couple more questions. We've got a few, a few more to go. Um, I'm going to, this is an interesting one. I'm going to say avoid the FA cup for this question, if possible, what would you say? is the best away day you've had following the club? Yeah, um, well, it's when we was in the top flight. We got up there for one season. And I know the first, very first game, Aston Villa, was a bit special. Uh, and then we had, from memory, I think we had uh, Norwich, Cupy, ha, 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 uh, Middlesbrough, and then came the big one, Liverpool. That was the one. To actually go up mm. there and play them in a league game, you know. This was the team that, that dominated the 80s. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they won the Football League Championship four times in that spell. Mm. FA Cups, League Cups, they were European champions for a couple of seasons. They were the team of the day. And to go up there and to, to nick a 1-1 draw... Uh, now that that was that was my best away day for sure. And am I right in saying, if memory serves me well, from hearing stories from my dad and other fans about that day, am I right in saying that we kind of ruffled a few feathers that they didn't quite like that little old Millwall come went to Liverpool and uh, gave them yeah. a little bit of a game? Yeah, because the establishment, you know, the the, the top end of the establishment, and um. We scored first as well. It was just, we were riding on the crest of the wave, you know. We got momentum from the season we got promoted. We were champions the previous season in the second tier. And that momentum carried over until we, we lost 4-2 at Middlesbrough. That was our first defeat of the season. I think we might have been one of the last teams to, 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 to lose. Um, we might have been undefeated for so long. We might have been the last ones to do it. I um, and, and, and you know, to go up there and you think the bubble's going to burst any time soon, but it didn't. It, we went right through to the the new year and a little bit beyond that. Then the wheels started to come off, as you would expect, as we run out of steam. But uh, the Liverpool day was was really special, very special that one. And interestingly, you mentioned there the establishment. Obviously, we all know that there is a a hierarchy in the world of football mm. nowadays. Mm. Any of those make your most disliked opponent? No, well, it's funny to talk about the establishment. We, we, you know, well, you, if you don't know already, if you come on the Millwall History and Heritage Tour, we could well have been part of that establishment. That things have been different, um, but I'm I'm happy with the way they are. Uh, no, I, 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 the, the aforementioned Crystal Palace, I think. Um, you know, Palace, Palace, who the fuck are Palace? You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, no, no, they're, they're, they're the, to me, they're the, they're the ones. And interesting, this is an interesting question because I often feel like it depends what era you're from 
dependent on how you answer this question. I'm assuming Palace will be one of your your answers to this. But your your top three rivals now that mm. can be that can be whether you dislike them, that can be whether you enjoy playing them, and it, it's a bigger atmosphere. Who would you say? Who would you say make your top three? Uh, uh, well, it'd be Palace, Charlton, and West Ham, I guess. I mean, um, we don't play them so much these days for various reasons. Mm. I mean, we're we're in a division that those other three teams aren't in at the moment, you know. So, but they would be the ones. So, you know, you you can't you can't say QPR's a, a rivalry, can you? Really, <laughs> upstarts from West London, you know. Um, <laughs> It was great watching that goal Jed scored there a couple of years ago on the opening day of the season, wasn't it? That was, that was a cracking atmosphere, that as well. I I think, going off topic a little bit, but on that game, I think that was, I think people realised just how important perhaps football yeah. is to, to people. Um, you know, COVID was, was difficult for... Yeah a lot of uh, people for, for various reasons, you know, uh, a lot of struggles and that sense of being back meant a lot to a lot of people. It, it did. But, and COVID, you know, COVID really affected our football club. Uh, I think, I think more than mm. quite a lot of clubs because uh, without the fan base there, teams are now turning up winning at, at an empty den and that carried on, you know, it, 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 it carried on. And then we had, uh, we had the Blackburn debacle. We lost the chairman. Um, there's a lot of people at the club with their chins on the floor in that dressing room. So um, eventually, I'm sure the new coach will make the, the necessary changes and breathe a bit of new life into the the football team. Uh, but first of all, we've got to stay up. Absolutely. And I, I think just on the COVID piece before we move on, I think up until that point, we'd, we'd beat Forrest, didn't we? The, the, I think the week before that COVID kind of struck Matt Smith hat-trick and we were well on our way. I think we, we maybe made the top six in at that point or we were seventh and, and a couple of points off and we were going through like a train. And I think COVID had a lot more of an impact, as you say, on our club than, yeah. than perhaps others. Um, and as you said, Jed, that goal at QPR, it, it meant a lot to a lot of people. It's interesting that, that you, you mentioned that because some people have that as one of their favourite ever moments because of the fact that it was that people were back. They were with their friends. Yeah, they people right, that you yeah. go to games with and, and yeah. things like that. So, um, no, very, very special, um, very special goal. It's an, int an interesting question, and I love I love this question because I've asked this off of off the camera and on the camera to a lot of people, and you get very very uh, varied answers. If you could change anything about Millwall, uh, whether it be things from the past, things currently, what would it be? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, in a perfect world, if I had a magic wand, I'd try to try to get people to lower their expectations of our football club, you know. Mm. Uh, sorry to say this, folks, but we yo-yo between the second and third tier. You know, that's what we do. Mm. That's in our DNA. I mean, this one season, perhaps, wouldn't it be nice if one season we could actually get to the final of the playoffs in this league? Mm. Wouldn't Absolutely. that be? Wouldn't that Absolutely. to do that? That that would be mm. an amazing achievement. Mm. It would. Uh, was we've never done it before. We've got to the semi-final uh, um, two, three times, but uh, mm -hmm. it's um, it's expectations. That that's you know, you know, when we sign players in the close season, and then all of a sudden we're a top six team again. Yeah, it's just, it, uh, it makes me smile. Uh, and the other thing is, um, just fill those two corners in where the home fans are. That would be great, wouldn't it? See, I have a, I have a, a thought about that. I, I've always thought that would be quite a good idea to have the corners filled in. Um, interestingly, I sort of spoke to other supporters from other clubs that visit the Den. And they love that it's the four stands. It's not the the the, the sort of bowl arena that you get mm. at other clubs. For example, uh, you know, off the top of my head, uh, like a 
a Sunderland, for example, or Leicester. Leicester's a prime example. We're going there in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be interesting, especially if we, as you say, if we were to have a season where we were really going for it and got into the playoffs and made it to have have the corners filled in especially as you say at the home end would be would be quite would be quite something and and on expectation as i said earlier today's football today's world is all about it, it's completely different it, everyone wants success immediately and if you don't you change your manager you you go out and buy four players and, and you do this and you do that you change your backroom staff and i think whilst i know and I think a lot of supporters know we know who we are. There is a hint of there's a lot of people now that are thinking, oh, you know, we've been close to the top six. We, we should be doing it. That's never going to work. That's that's never going to be who we are. We're going to need a flash in the pan season to do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the filling those two corners in is probably, I don't know if it's a knee-jerk reaction because of our attendances at the moment, the highest they've been in 50 years. I mean, mm. 16,000 we're averaging. That's... Mm, uh, I, I know attendances are up everywhere. And if you look at the attendances in the championship, we're still down there in the bottom six. But uh, to average 16,000, that's, um, you know, it's uh, got to go back quite a long few few years before we've done mm. anything like that. And I know there's been a lot of disquiet recently about foreign fans coming to the den. Um, <laughs> yep. Don't get me started on that. These these are guys that are paying money uh, for a ticket. They're spending money in the club shop. They're buying drinks and food in the concourses. Um, and people saying that well, it doesn't add to the atmosphere. Well, well, if they weren't there, you'd have an empty seat. Well, that doesn't add to the atmosphere either, does it? You know. And the last time uh-huh. I looked, those empty seats they they didn't weren't doing much shouting. No, I think there's definitely a balance to be had. I think that, that ultimately, to be successful, you need to maximise revenue streams as, as a yeah, football club. Uh, and, especially a club like us. And, you know, yes. years ago, going back to before segregation, there used to be, uh, when your team was playing away, you went and watched somebody else, a local team, like the floating supporters, mm. um, which, again, gave a club a little bit of extra revenue. That doesn't happen so much now amongst the uh, fans of English clubs because of segregation. Uh, but if we can get money from the tourists, then um, I'm all for it. Mm, absolutely. And uh, to wrap up, a couple more questions. Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit of memorabilia now. Firstly, mm. and it, you may not own this on the particular shirt, you may well do. What would you say is your favourite shirt of all time? When I come in, we were wearing the, the blue and white kit, as, as I mentioned before. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, my favourite was was the white kit, the all-white kit, uh, Benny Fenton's days. Uh, and we missed out on promotion to the top flight in 1971-72. Just by a point, uh, there was no three teams that went up then. It was just the two. Um, and we played in that kit for a few seasons before and after that. Now, that was always my favourite kit, for sure. And finally, what's the best piece of Millwall memorabilia that you currently own? My programme collection. Um, it's a bit of a sore point, really, because we don't have programmes anymore. Well, we, we have uh, a very good uh, second best. Um, but um, uh, the programme was kind of an institution, you know, it was, it was a regular... I mean, the amount of times I bought a programme, tucked it in my pocket, and I didn't read it, you know, but it was still a programme. Um, yeah. It was your it was your memory from the day. Um, and I got stacks of programmes, inherited a load of programmes. Uh, a lot of those programmes I inherited uh, have been written in because people used to put the scores in or put the team changes in. It was, it was a massive do, you know. It, it, I suppose that people don't put the scores in a program nowadays is because you have all the information at your fingertips on your mobile phone, mm. but it was like memorizing could create a memory. I suppose that's why they do it. You know, back to the old dead used to come out the ground, walking down towards Ilderson road. And there was newspaper vendors telling you they've got all the half time scores. This is when the games finished. They used to cry out all the half times. 
Now you get a, a goal in a second on your phone up and down the country, um, all 92 clubs. I think we we obviously spoke before we come on about the programs. I think the pro, it's a shame the club don't 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 mm. do them anymore. It, it's it's certainly something. I me mean, as a kid, I loved having the program as well, and it's nice to look back on some of them. Um, it was all, it was always you, you sort of not you know your memories, but it's a memento, isn't it, of the game? Yeah, was, sure. You'd go yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. that was that's what you brought home. That's what you brought home with you, um, Rob. First guest of the of the new series. Thank you very much for your time, your memories. Um, thanks for sharing your details of your um, of the tour that you do. As I said earlier, we will um, obviously when this goes out, we'll post the links with it. We'll get something out before this goes out as well to make sure that um, anybody that is interested in coming along on the tour, I say we'll, we'll be doing it. We will be doing it as well. So um, we might have yeah. a couple of fans along along with yeah, us. Sure, but yeah. um, any any. Any any final words from from yourself, Rob? No, just a big thank you, um, and uh, the pleasure was all mine tonight, Stephen. Thank you so much. No, it's uh, you're more than welcome. Uh, as I say, Rob um, is the first guest on our our series two of Who Are You this season. If you are interested in well, coming yeah. onto the show, uh, <laughs> drop us a message. Uh, me personally, drop the pod a, a message and, and we can sort out a recording. I'm sure Rob would agree. It's very straightforward. We're all pretty much sorted relatively quickly and the link's all easy to use. So um, we'll get all that. We can get all that sorted with you. Um, check us out on, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, uh, on Facebook. We're across the lot. And as always, and uh, as it, the message will always be, come on, you lions. Come on, you lions. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.